morning and welcome to Valley Nazarene. I'm gonna invite you to stand this morning as we are here to lift our voices in praise, in worship, and in complete joy this morning that we serve a risen Savior, a Savior that desperately loves us and He is our hope and our joy this day. Would you lift your voices this morning? want to spend a, a few minutes in, in prayer together today. You know, and as we just sang in that song, we have a God that we can place our trust in, in good times and in bad times. God is faithful and God is with us. So I just invite you today, whether you're gathered here in the sanctuary or whether you're joining us online, just to join me as we pray to, to give our praises to God and to lay our burdens at God's feet because we trust in God's unfailing love today, amen? Let's pray. Lord, today we just celebrate and rejoice in who you are. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Today we're gathered on this, day of sun, uh, this Sunday because this is the day of the resurrection. Jesus Christ is alive. And we gather in that victory today. And Lord, we, we come together to, to just focus on you, to, to worship you. And Lord, our desire as a church is that worship wouldn't just be confined to this place or to this hour, but that we would, would be a people who would live lives of worship to you day in and day out, wherever we go and whatever we do. So God, today, we, we once again just offer ourselves to you. And Lord, we pray that, that by the power of your Holy Spirit at, at work within us, that, that you would help us to live the kinds of lives that would be worthy of the calling that you place on each of us. Lord, we pray that, that you would help us to live in, in a way that, that those around us who see us would, would see you living in us and would come to, to know and experience and then themselves live out your love because they've encountered your love through your people. And Lord, we, we also come together today knowing that, that there are those who are gathered with us today who trust you today in the midst of the doubts. Lord, we, we live in a world that is not yet as it should be. And Lord, those, those challenges that we face, they can be big, they can be things we all face, or they can be the challenges that are unique to our, to our families or to our own lives. And Lord, today we just come 
Can we lay these things at your feet? Lord, today for those who grieve, we pray that you would comfort them. Lord, for those who are, are sick, we, we pray that they would be made well. Lord, for those who, who find themselves in the midst of strained or broken relationships, God, we pray that by your grace and power, those relationships would be restored. Lord, we just we lift our burdens to you today, and we just trust you to work. And God, today, in, in the midst of the challenges we face around us, with, with the news of COVID going on and on, and with cases increasing, and even people from our congregation who are, are recovering now, Lord, we just pray that that you would bring about healing, that you would bring about resolution. Lord, we just, we just lift this to you today. Lord, we pray for your protection on people as well. God, whatever the, the challenges we face today, we just lift them to you because we know that you're a God who cares for us. And Lord, in this time we have together today, we just focus our eyes on you. And we pray that you would help us to have eyes to see not only who you are, but to see where you are working in our midst and in the world around us. And Lord, we just pray for all of these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there was our video once again. If you were here last week, you know we had some technical difficulties and after hours this week, they were all fixed until just a little bit ago. So, but you know, we, we don't come here because of technology. We come here because Jesus Christ is risen, right? And that's still true. And so we gather together this day. You know, we've been in this sermon series that we call Jubilee and, and uh, we're in our last couple of weeks of this, but this comes, many of you know this by now, this comes from the Sabbath rhythms, right? The, we first encounter Sabbath in, in the book of Genesis says, as at the end of the six days of creation on the seventh day, we are told that God rested. But it's not that God rested because God was tired out. God rested because the fulfillment of creation was rest in the presence of God. And what we see throughout Scripture is that God's people are invited to enjoy the blessings of Sabbath. Not just the blessings of a day off of work, although that's a good thing. But the blessings that come from resting and dwelling in the presence of God. One of the things we, we learn in Scripture, though, is that it's awfully hard sometimes, even for God's people, to trust in that and to find that rest which is why Sabbath became something that was experienced in different ways. There was the weekly Sabbath. Every seven days there was the Sabbath. But throughout the course of the year, there, there were these seven different festivals or holy days that reminded people of God's saving work in different ways. And every seven years there was a Sabbath year. And every seven sets of Sabbath years was the year of Jubilee. It was this sense of this fulfillment of what God's freedom for God's people was meant to be. The challenge, though, is that there's no evidence that God's people ever actually practiced the year of Jubilee. They missed out on some of what it was that God wanted for them. And we are a people who desire to experience the fullness of what God wants for us. Amen? 
we don't desire to miss out on what it is that God wants to do in our lives. Which is why during this time, that is just crazy. We've been pausing to ask ourselves, what is it that God wants to do in us? And we're, we're taking time because we don't want to miss out on anything that God wants to do in our lives. And so we gather together for, for these purposes again today. You know, when I was a, when I was a pastor in Michigan, we had this event once a year called Team Day. In Michigan, we, we had three different districts that were part of the Church of the Nazarene, and, and once a year, we would, all three of us would gather together for this time of, of training and equipping and encouragement. And so there'd be about a thousand people from the three districts that would crowd into this high school and we'd, we'd fill the auditorium for general sessions and then we'd go to classrooms and crowd into these classrooms for these times together. Do you remember when we could crowd into classrooms? I don't think I remember that anymore, but I remember reading about those times. You know, we, we would gather together in, in times like this. And one year, we had this special speaker who was, he's a Nazarene, and, and he works for Hallmark. And actually, his job with Hallmark is kind of one of the head people with the Hallmark Hall of Fame movies. Any of you watch Hallmark Hall of Fame? I know there's more than that. Come on now. So, so he had shared in the general session, and I went to a couple of his, his workshop sessions. And in one of the workshops... He, he was talking about media as we know it. And, and he said, you know, there's, there's really only two ways that it's possible for media to function. One way is, is where the government, where the people who, who are in power control what it is that the media tells people. He said that, that's one model in which it happens. The other model in the way in which media works is, is where advertisers pay money for the programs they want to sponsor. So in a sense, it's, it's, it's advertisers, it's people with money who decide what things air on television. So there's really, it's, it's either one of these two models, and I, I kind of tend to think that the latter is better, is what he said. And I found myself sitting there thinking, you know, if there's a model where either the people in power tell everybody what to think, or the people with money tell everybody what to think. I mean, is it possible that there could be another way? I'm not sure that I necessarily think either of those is the best. Is it, is it there's possible that there's another? So I kind of thought, well, that might be a kind of a fun question to talk about, right? So I asked this question. I said, is it possible that there could be something else? Can we long for a different way? Can we long for something better than what we currently know? And the guy said, he said, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I never really thought about that before. But before we had an opportunity to talk about that, there, there, was, a, there was a girl in there, and she kind of raised her hand, and she said, so um, you know that one Hallmark Hall of Fame where there was a girl who fell in love with a boy? I love that one. I thought, isn't that all of them? You know, the, the reason I asked that question is because I found myself then, just as I do now, lamenting that sometimes, well, not sometimes, just lamenting that we live in a culture that seems to say it's either this way or that way. We live in a culture that just tries to boil everything down to, to this or to that. And, and even, you know, we, we, we see this in a, lot of, in a lot of places around us, right? Like either Republican or Democrat, one or the other. You have to be one or the other. 
Either do you wear masks or do you don't wear masks, right? It's one or the other. But we see this in so many areas of life where things get boiled down to you either have to be on this side or that side. Am I off base? And I just can't help but wonder, is there a different way? Is there a different way than that? Is there, is there something, is there a better way than that? You know, in the, in the Church of the Nazarene, when, when our denomination formed a little over 100 years ago, it, it was the merging of these different groups that formed together. And there were three main groups that, that merged together to form the Church of the Nazarene. There, there was the Church of the Nazarene on the West Coast. Go West Coast, right? So the Church of the Nazarene on the West Coast. There was, there, there was other holiness groups that were primarily in the East. And I don't even know if I'm pointing the right direction right now. The East. And there were other church groups that were from the South. There's a lot of differences from the West to the East to the South. And these three groups were, were trying to come together. And the reason they were trying to come together is because they believed that they could be much more effective for God if they were together rather than apart. And they believed that there was a whole lot more that they had in common than they had that was different from one another. And so the very first general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene was Phineas F. Brzee. And there was someone that, or a quote that he often liked to share. And it was this, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity or love. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. There was something that he often shared to remind people that, that they were committed to being united together in those things that were essential to their faith. But also recognizing that there were other things that, that, that there were differences of opinions about how they should do some things as the church and so forth. And that it was okay for them to have some, some different understandings of how those took place. But in all things, in those areas where, where they agreed and where they disagreed, in all of that, they should be characterized by love. That's what Brzee often liked to share is that it is those things. And, and today that continues to be true. But do you know we still struggle with that? I know we struggle with that in the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm sure it's true of other places too. Do you, do you know why we struggle with that today? Usually it's the first parts of that phrase. In, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty. And the reason we struggle is people debate about what's essential and what's not essential. And so there's fights over what's essential and what's non-essential, and it's like we've forgotten that third phrase, in all things love. In all things love. What does it mean to, to be a people who, who love well? Because our love is, is not preconditioned on agreement. Our love is preconditioned on God's love for us, Right? So how do we love well? I want to invite you to join me in Matthew's gospel today. Matthew chapter 22, and, and this morning we're going to begin in verse 34. And if you're able to, I just invite you to stand as we read God's word today. When the Pharisees heard that, that Jesus had left the, had left the Sadducees speechless, 
they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All of the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, these, these verses in Matthew's gospel come in this section here in, in chapter 22 where, where there's a group of religious leaders that have been trying to, to trap Jesus. They're, they're trying to catch him. They're trying to prove that, that he was wrong because, well, because he really challenged their status quo. <laughs> he, he challenged the world as they knew it or the world as they were comfortable with it or, or how they wanted things to be. And so, so they were trying to find a place where they could catch Jesus and say, ha-ha, we, we got you there. This actually, there's three different groups at, at play in some of this. One is people we, we read about just right there, the, the Pharisees. We we read about the Pharisees often in Matthew's gospel. They, they come up quite a bit. And the Pharisees, they were, they were a very influential group. They, they were this group of people that, that really, they really just desired that, that people would embody God's holiness in everyday life. Now, that's not a bad thing to desire after. And so what they did is that they took a lot of the kind of the historic practices for purity in temple worship, and they applied those practices for temple worship into the everyday life. And so they were really focused on, on trying to get people to, to live this way and, and do these things. The second group that, that actually was, was kind of alluded to here is the Sadducees. The Sadducees were, were people who kind of, it was an aristocratic group. They, they were people who were part of this priestly lineage, which belonged to certain family lines. And so they were the ones who controlled the temple. They were the ones who were in charge of, of the temple and all of those things. They, they had the power when it came to the temple. And because they had the power, they were also interested in maintaining power. And so one of the areas where the Sadducees differed from the Pharisees is that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And the reason they didn't believe in the resurrection is because it, if the resurrection from the dead was true, then that meant that there was something more powerful than the current powers that were at B. And if there was something more powerful than the world as it currently was, then that meant that their power that they thought they had wasn't as strong as they thought it was. So that was the Sadducees. The, the third group is the, the Herodians. And we don't know a whole lot about the Herodians. But, but what we tend to think is that they were, they were Jews who also aligned themselves with whoever was in power. Whatever Herod happened to be who was on the throne at the time. Because they thought, you know, if we can kind of get on the good side of the earthly rulers... Then, then things can kind of be smooth. And if they let us do what we want, then we can kind of do what we want, but also kind of honor them at the same time. And they kind of tried to, to live in that, that balance between these two things. So in Matthew 22, we actually encounter all of these, all of these groups. If we would go back a little ways before what we read, there's, there, there's a question that is asked about, about if, 
if godly people should pay taxes to Caesar or not. If godly people should pay taxes to Caesar or not. And the Herodians would say, well, yes, you should. Because do you remember what happened to us before? When there were people who refused to pay taxes and they revolted against Rome and Rome sent her armies in and got us back under control? We don't want to go through that again. So just pay your taxes to Caesar so we can keep doing what we want to do. The Pharisees, though, they struggled with this because, you know, the coins that were used to pay taxes to Rome were Roman coins. Do you know what Roman coins said? Roman coins said that Caesar was a god. And so to, to use these coins was, was in a sense to sort of worship an idol, somebody else who claimed to be God, and to give those things there. Well, so how did Jesus deal with this politically divisive issue? Do you do this or do you do this? He just said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Well, you and I know, what is it that belongs to God? Everything, right? But the people didn't really know how, how to respond to them. They, they were expecting him to say this or this, and he said something completely different. You, you know, the, the next issue that we saw was, was one with the, the Sadducees were, were present there as well. And there's this question that was asked about the resurrection. There's sort of this made-up story. They said, suppose there was a woman who married a man, and they didn't have a son. And her husband died. Well, the custom was if, if somebody died without a son, that, that that person's brother was to marry the widow. And, and so this happened, and as it turns out, this woman was married to seven different brothers. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? You know, it's just, just made up crazy story. And again, Jesus says, you guys don't even know what you're talking about here. You seem to think that when God's power, when God's saving work is finally done, that things are going to look just like they look right now. You are missing the point. God is so much bigger than all of these things. But yet people were struggling to kind of see things differently. You know, it's really hard to imagine something that you've never seen before, isn't it? It's really hard to do that. I a couple of weeks ago, I, I read a book on the Wright brothers. It was fascinating to, to, to read some of these different ideas of, of what people did of, of trying to figure out how to fly. And it was actually interesting this morning, uh, my son and I were talking, he said that Leonardo da Vinci tried to invent a flying machine and he just like kind of attached a whole bunch of feathers to these things, right? It's like, you know, way back then we thought, well, feathers were like, birds can fly, they have feathers. If we could just attach enough feathers to something that looks like wings, then we can fly too, right? It's so hard to imagine something we've never experienced before. And that's always the reality, that, that's always the challenge. You, you know, when the first televisions came out, there was an executive with, with 20th Century Fox, a movie company, who was, who was asked about televisions. And do you know what he said? He said, you know what? I'm not worried about televisions. Televisions are never going to gain any significant market share. Because after six months, who's going to want to keep watching a plywood box? How many of you fully intend to go home this afternoon and watch a plywood box? Right? I mean, the same thing even more recently than that. In, in what was it? It was in 2007, which, which wasn't that long ago, unless you're my kids. 
But in 2007, the CEO of Microsoft said, the iPhone is never going to be anything big. The iPhone is never going to be anything big. Well, I know I'm not the only one who has an iPhone in my pocket right now. And the iPhone has made Apple the richest company in the entire world. Sometimes we have a hard time imagining things any differently than they presently are. How could anything be different than what we could ever, than what we could know? And you know what? Sometimes even in the church, we struggle with that. Sometimes we, we get in our minds these pictures of the way that church should look. When I was in college, I, I worked with a youth group at a church, and I remember one night, it, it was a Wednesday night, and, and we actually had, had our, our teen kind of building was this, it was a separate little building that was just across the parking lot from the rest of the church. Uh, Dean knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and it was after a Wednesday night, and, and we'd gotten done, and, and the youth pastor and I were still inside uh, of the, the teen room, and, and kids were starting to go out, and, and, and there was, there was, there was a, a, a mature adult who, who came into the teen room, and he was mad. He said, what are you guys doing in here? There are teens out there who were fighting, and the police showed up. He said, you do realize this is a church, don't you? The police should never have to come to a church. What kind of a thing do you think you guys are doing here? And we just kind of said, oh, we're, we're sorry, we're sorry, we'll, we'll go find out what was going on. I was young at the time. What I kind of wished I would have said was, you know, I think what we're trying to do is reach the broken and find those who are lost and help love them to a different way of living. You know, but this person struggled to think that the church should always look a certain way. And just because God redeems and saves doesn't mean that everybody who walks in the doors for the first time has already experienced that. But he struggled to see things out of that way of seeing things. How do we learn to live differently? You know, there's a danger today that we get so focused on being right that we forget that we're called to love. And may we not get caught in that trap, amen? We've been called to love. But when we focus on things like, like issues or preferences or beliefs, we can make love secondary. But love was intended to be primary. As the people of God, we, we are called to, to love, and, and there's a whole lot of things that can divide us. There's all kinds of things in the world that can divide us. But it's the love of God that we know through Jesus Christ that unites us together. And we are people who are called to live this out. You know, when Jesus was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? He, he gave two. To love God with all of who we are. And to love our neighbors just as we love ourselves. And Jesus says everything else that we could do rests on these two things. That it's that kind of love for God and that kind of love for others. And everything else kind of fits into that. It just sort of clarifies ways in which that's lived out. And when Jesus tells us that we are to love God and also love our neighbors, you do remember who he's told us our neighbors are, right? Our neighbor is our enemy. And we're called to love God and to love people. 
That's the call that we have. And, and Jesus is saying that, that you cannot really love God unless you love your neighbor. If you don't love your neighbor, then you don't really love God because God loves your neighbor. But we also, it's impossible for us to love people out there without loving God. These two go hand in hand. You, you, you really can't separate these things out. You know, in, in John's gospel, Jesus tells us that the world will know that we are his disciples by our love. It's our love that commu communicates whose allegiance or, or who we've given our allegiance to. The world will know that you're my disciples by, by your love, the way you love one another. And Jesus is calling us to live in a different way, not to be people of perfect doctrine, but to be people of perfect love. And when I say perfect love, it doesn't mean that we never get things wrong. When I say perfect love, it's this, this love that is, it is so abundant in our lives that it just flows out of who we are. It's this love that is so encompassing of who we are that, that it just pours itself out. Are you with me there? To say perfect love doesn't mean that we always get it right, but it's just this love that just keeps coming out of who we are. It's, it's all of who we are. May we be a people who are known by our love. Amen? That's my desire. Well, how is it, how is it though, that we can do that? When there's a world that says, oh, you've got to choose sides, you've got to be this or this. How can we be a people who say, you know what? <laughs> we just love. I always, sure, we, we believe things, we think things, but, but in all things, love. In all things, love. How is it that we could ever live this way? You know, in a few moments today, we're going to celebrate in communion together. As we celebrate in communion, there's some things that we remember. One of the things that we remember is that when we were enemies of God's, Jesus Christ died for us. When we were sinners, when we turned our backs on God, God did not turn his back on us, but he reached out to call us close to him. That's a good place to say an amen. Because we could not have saved ourselves, but God reached out to us to set us free so that we could live. God's loved us so much that God found us when we were lost. But you know, the other thing about this is because we've been loved in that way, we can also love in that way. And the reason that that is possible is because of what God has already done for us. You know, do you remember when I was talking about those three different kinds of people and there was the Sadducees and the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection because to believe in the resurrection would say that the way things currently are is not the way that things will always be? Let me remind us of something. Jesus Christ has already been raised from the dead. And God's work is not done in this world. But because God has already conquered the grave, the way in which we live today doesn't have to be the way that things are in this world. We can live differently by the power of God at work in our lives. Amen? And that's who we want to be. And that's how we want to live. Even in the midst of, of a world and culture that might be divided, we can live as people of love and as agents of God's reconciliation in a world that is so very 
broken today. May we live that way. You know, I'd invite you to join me as, as we prepare to, to share in, in this meal today, just to, just to confess in unity what it is that we believe. We believe this, that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, that Christ will come again. Would you say that with me? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. You know, we, we gather together today because on that night that Jesus would be betrayed, he'd gathered together with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal, which was a reminder of God's incredible faithfulness. In the course of that, that meal, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Would you eat this in remembrance of me? And then later in the meal, Jesus took the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. You know, today as, as a church, we come together to prepare to celebrate in this meal, remembering what God has done so that we can live today as God has called us to live. Let's pray together. Lord, today we are so thankful that you are at work in our lives today. And God, as, as we prepare to celebrate in this simple meal, this simple meal of bread and juice, Lord, we pray that you would take these common elements and that by your grace and power, that you would use them to continue to work in our lives. Similarly, Lord, we, we pray today that you would take our lives as common and ordinary as they are and that you would work in and through us so that people can see your love in our lives. And so God, today we we offer these elements to you and we offer ourselves to you so that you can accomplish what you long to do in us. In your name we pray, amen. I invite you to join with me, whether you're here or, or online as well. If you have the, the packets, you can open that little top part there. As we share together the body of Christ, which is broken for us, let's eat together. In the blood of Christ, the new covenant, which was poured out for us so that we might be new creation in him. Let's drink together. Lord, we thank you again today for your great love for us. And God, we pray that as people who have known your love and experienced your love, that by the power of your spirit, you would help us to live out your love. God, we thank you that you are always with us. And Lord, we, we pray that you would help us to have eyes to see what you are doing and to live into the world as it should be rather than what we see around us. So God, we offer ourselves to you. We, we offer this church to you. We pray that you would work in and through us for the furthering of your kingdom. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. As you go today, would you just go in the grace and peace that comes from our Lord and Savior? Trust in him and go with him as we go today. Just a reminder, we haven't talked about this all the time, but I'm just going to ask again today as we dismiss, if we just let our ushers dismiss us and, and, uh, and, and have a blessed week.
and we thank God for the ways that God is working in us today. Amen.